take a seat and take a moment to adjust our hearts and our minds in an attitude of prayer, if we could. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning giving you praise and thanks for all the ways that we have been able to worship, participate, and act in and through your Holy Spirit. We praise you, Lord, for all that you have done and will continue to do. And we pray now, Lord, that as we come to a moment where we dig into your word, that you would open our hearts, that you'd open our eyes, that you would reveal yourself, your purpose, our purpose. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Andrew. For those of us that have not met, it is a joy to have you here. And, uh, You'll notice we have a lot of things taking place this morning. We'll have a baptism at the second service, but I uh, will throw out the invitation. If anybody wants to come up and remember their baptism today, you are welcome to, okay? We'll, uh, the water's warm. It'll be cold in the next service. Um, so, a uh, little disclaimer there. It is, uh, it's truly a blessing in, in the last week of confirmation and baptisms. Uh, and Senior Sunday uh, this week, and, and all the celebrations. I absolutely love, uh, Beth, and your, your illustration of my story and your chapters. And, and I will uh, pose for us a moment here to reflect those of us who have graduated, who have gone on, whether into the trades or careers or college, do you remember when you graduated high school? Some of you are like, I don't want to remember that far back. But I remember, uh, and, and I'll be honest, I was scared out of my wits. And I did not have a children's message like that to give me encouragement for the next stage of life. But it wasn't until I got to uh, the next level of my education and a lot of different, uh, uh, what I call BC days, my before Christ days, and coming into uh, seminary, there was a, a question that was posed to me early on, and, and this is, uh, beginning here for our message and also for our students. There's a question that was posed, what is your existential purpose? I was like, I don't even know what that word means. That means, what is the meaning of your life? Why are you here? You see, when you're going through your early years of education, you're, you're really discovering your identity of who you are and you're going to be taking a step into the next phase of your life of discovering and living into the purpose of why you're here. And that's a continual thing. And this morning, we're going to jump into the Gospel of Luke as we bring home our miracle series. And our prayer has been through this entire time of the testimonies and the conversations and the prayers is that your hearts and eyes have been opened to see that God is working a purpose. God is working meaning into our lives beyond ourselves. And it's interesting that we come to this final testimony this morning upon our Senior Sunday celebration and the stages that we may go through, the questions we may have, the doubts, the fears, all the unknowns, and yet, the one thing that doesn't change, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Father God and the Holy Spirit, constant all the way through. Our prayer as we have gone through this miracle series is that you have changed, that you've maybe uh, looked at life a little differently that maybe you've asked or sought after that question, what is the meaning of my life? 
right here, right now. Now, if we recall a few weeks ago, we had a message on the miracle of the cross, the miracle of God sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins by dying on the cross. And as we just sang a, a minute ago, as we look at that cross, we also see the empty tomb. Jesus died to save us. We speak of that as common language as Christians, but if we plane down the layers of the cross, we can see God's call upon us to live into that every single day, giving us meaning, our purpose, why we're here. When we come to the word this morning, the Gospel of Luke, the very interesting context. As we pose that question, what is my meaning? Why am I here? Doesn't matter if you're graduating high school or if you're way up the ladder or or further along in your years or if you've lost a job or something has happened in your family, there are things that happen in our lives that pose that question, what now? What am I to do? The Gospel of Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 21 and 22, come to a point where Jesus not only realizes, but he acknowledges and he speaks the meaning of why he's here. Verse 21. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed on the third day and be raised to life. Let's just stop there for a moment. Jesus is acknowledging why he's here. Jesus is accepting why he's here. Jesus is proclaiming why he's here. He's speaking to the disciples why and his meaning of redemption for all humanity. Now we might ask ourselves, why does he say, uh, don't tell this to anyone? They eventually will. Jesus is is starting off by keeping things close to heart. He's saying, keep this close to us. But as time goes on, we, we read the Gospels and we understand that the message starts to spread and spread and spread. And ultimately, as Jesus says, he's rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They didn't like his meaning of life. They didn't like his purpose of being there. Ultimately, they're the ones who put him up for crucifixion. But we read on. We read on as Jesus is proclaiming what must happen. He then goes to say this in verse 23. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they seek the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord for his word. Jesus doesn't just recommend to us here 
uh, following requirement to become a disciple. He doesn't give us just a step-by-step process, and if you just do these couple of things, you're good. He's instilling a demand that if we are to follow Jesus, there will be sacrifice and suffering on our end. The context here is Jesus will be rejected, Jesus will be crucified, Jesus will be resurrected. And then he goes into, hey, guess what? Everything I just said, guess I'm asking you to pick up your cross daily. To know of the cross is the miracle of salvation of Jesus Christ. It's right here. It's the invitation for us to live into it each day. Now, there are three conditions that he poses here. There's self-denial, and then there's taking up your cross, and then there's obedience. It's a daily act. Now, let's talk about self-denial for a moment. It's a very foreign thing, especially for Americans, because it's all about self and self-fulfillment. Jesus is talking about much, much more than just sacrificing this or that or giving up you know particular interest or or this possession in life jesus is talking about a self-denial that is a radical reorientation of your entire life the self no longer at the center the will of god is that his will would be lived out in you you know, it's interesting, and I reflect upon graduating from North Lynn and all the conversations you have and, and, and the teachers, and they give you all these little things, uh, you know, a, a fill in the dot. One of your last ones to figure out where, where are you best fit in the world? What can you do? There's not one question in there about your faith or what you're going to do in, in the community, per se. But I pose that question to you as you are taking this next step. Where does Jesus fit into all of the plans that you have up here and in here? Where is Jesus and all of that? Because the will of God is that we would live out his purpose and will for us. Here's an example. Jesus is tempted by Satan. He's, he's tempted by the devil in the wilderness. In the Gospel of John chapter 4, verse 34, he's his question, he says, here, you just turn this, this stone into a, a loaf of bread and you won't be hungry. And Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Now, you and I have this very uh, natural habit in the way of our lives to think of ourselves first. And, and maybe only if somebody else has something else going on where they might need us or need some help, only if it's like right in front of us and it's really convenient, doesn't take that much effort to, to help them, then we will. Nine times out of ten, that's what we do. We like to, if I'm going to help somebody, am I comfortable? Is it going to inconvenience me. Jesus is telling us as we take up our cross, it's not about you thinking of yourself first. It is about thinking of that other first. Luke points and puts emphasis on a daily act. You must do this daily. Undoubtedly, that's important. But I think it's also important to hear what the Gospel of Mark, how he writes and, and records what Jesus says here. Mark says that this is about dying to yourself, that this is about martyrdom, 
This is about you and your faith dying for Jesus. To think of it, put it this way, as we hear from Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, I face death every day. Yes, just surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul acknowledged in his faith that he faces death every day by being a Christian. He knows the persecution. He knows what could come his way. Well, Jesus tells us that in, in the Sermon on the Mount. He doesn't get very far. He says, blessed are you who are persecuted for my name's sake. I think he goes on to say, don't fear the one who can kill your flesh and blood, but fear the one who can uh, adjust your eternal outcome. Now, this is a hard structure to hear and live into. And some of you are like, man, this is not the senior message I wanted to hear. As Christians who take up their cross daily, it's to live in the understanding that we are to die daily. Think about that. We have an emphasis in our life that we are born, as Beth alluded to in the first chapter, birth. And then there's the monumental moment of death. And we know that that death is a good thing. It's a part of life. But here Jesus is saying there should be a daily death in our lives. A daily death. That is, if you think about it, it's harder to die every day than it is to die just once. That ties into obedience. It's noble for a Christian to die for their faith in Jesus Christ, and yet we're called daily and daily and daily to sacrifice of the self to pick up our cross. Now, our crosses aren't going to look the same. They're going to have different looks, different shapes, different weights, different sizes. There are things that you and I have in our lives that need to be crucified. There are things in our lives that need to be sacrificed in order for us to follow Jesus. And that goes to this point, the next verse. Luke chapter 9, verse 24. Jesus says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Jesus is acknowledging and accepting the death he will succumb by the cross. As it is Jesus' destiny to die this brutal death for the sins of all humanity is also Jesus calling us to share in it with him daily to live out the eternal promise. Losing our life for Jesus is rooted in the fruits of our eternal outcome. A death we're called to live daily. The universal truth for all of us is that whatever we seek first for the security in our lives, in this world, ends with us losing it. It's true that we would rather die with a sense of meaning than to live each and every single day with no meaning. It's interesting if we think about it, there are two ways that a person can be killed. The first is to rob them of life, and the second is to rob them of life's meaning and purpose. There are two ways to enslave a person. One is to give them masters, and the other is to take away their God. The temptation of Jesus Christ with the devil, man does not live by bread alone. He's acknowledging 
power and truth of God's word and his purpose. God's word sets us free when it rules in our heart. Life does not have meaning upon the things that we own or the things that we work for, the possessions that we have, but only upon the one who died to give us life. Because in the end, all of those worldly things, and some are really beautiful, they don't go with us. Life's meaning is not found within life itself. Life's meaning meets us right where we are to bring us into the bigger picture, the picture of Jesus Christ. As Jesus says, whoever loses their life for me will save it. And we often mistake that miracle and the meaning of life within the things or persons of this world. If we place all of our meaning and our purpose on a career or a person or a relationship or an object, we're going to be disappointed. That person or thing should not be the meaning in our life because they're only carriers of the one who gives us meaning. That special person in your life, that career that is an opportunity to obtain, those things in your life that you cherish or find joy in, those are only conduits of God using those to provide joy and love in our life. They're not meant to become the idol, not meant to become the sole purpose for us. Because if we're placing all of our focus on what career we're going to do, how much money we make, what our retirement's going to be, we're going to lose it. I'm not trying to be pessimistic here, but it's a reality that Jesus is telling us. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their very self? As Mark records, and I love how Mark says this, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their very soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? That's my sermon timer. Someone's saying... <laughs> Cut it off. <laughs> we'll bring it home with this. It was just this past week, uh, I was in a conversation with a financial advisor, and um, it was a joy to meet him. And as we were having small talk, he's like, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. I said, what do you do? He's like, oh, I'm a financial advisor. And, and he, he instantly just followed by saying, I work with some really high net worth clients that have a lot of money. They're the most miserable people. It's so hard sometimes working with them because they put all their focus into what's in that account rather than what's already in their life. And I thought that was interesting from a, a numbers guy and all these different things. And he acknowledged that possessions don't make you happy. And he works with people every single day and all their different careers and all their different dreams and passions. And, and ultimately, Jesus is telling us, he, he's not saying don't have nice things, don't have good things. Jesus is saying don't put your purpose there and only there. I want you to take a moment to listen to this video testimony to help us bring this home.
So I believe miracles are happening today on the earth and probably many more than we realize because we're not always looking for them. The Lord has done a miracle of healing in me from breast cancer diagnosis. And this was about a two and a half year long journey of um, a lot of a year and a half of chemo and six weeks of radiation and four surgeries. But to be real honest, I don't like to remember the medical process and my family probably doesn't really either. So for me, I don't really dwell a lot on that, but I do really love to remember the grace and love that the Lord covered me in during the process. That to me is almost even more of the miracle because you don't really understand until you've gone through something like that, how his grace and love can cover somebody. I feel like sometimes we look at things from the outside in and we think it looks so hard and we don't know how people are getting through it and it's because his grace and love is sufficient in the middle of that trial for people. But you you on the outside can't always see it and it, it is something where until you're in the middle of it, you, you, it's hard to comprehend. During that trial, he sent a, a loving family, a church family and friends to cover our family and myself. and. I, that was an awesome part of the process for me. And I'm hopeful that what we went through, we were able to share with others some of that same kind of compassion and understanding in the middle of uncertainty and the wrestling you do with the Lord in the middle of a trial. Um, there was a lot of wrestling, especially for myself in the middle of that with the Lord. When you're scared and you're angry and I feel like he's given us a testimony to um, carry us through hard things and hopefully share with other people. And I believe many years of my life, I lived a lot in fear, in fear of death and of what other people are, think of me, fear of providing for our family. And I believe this fear came from the enemy and is used to limit what people will do for the Lord. And the verse that was really important for me during my time was Joshua 1, 9, where it says, Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I didn't realize the part about being commanded until I went through this trial. And I realized he's telling me that, that, I, that he's commanded me to be strong and courageous, not on my own, but with him. Like I wasn't that I could have even done that on my own. But being strong and courageous is a miracle sometimes when you've lived a life of fear. And I kind of wonder if historically there have been generations of people who have had less fear of death. And I kind of hope for myself as maybe I have a little less fear than I did before because I think that in a generation with less fear of death, we can probably do more things for the Lord. When you, you know, think of history and what people were willing to do to live a life for the Lord, you know, even putting your family in boats and, and crossing oceans and all the things people were willing to do. Like, I think if we if we live in fear, we're, we're too afraid to do some of the things he asked us to do. It is my hope that I can be a good steward of the miracles he has done for me and that I will boldly testify to what I have seen and what I have heard and that I will be obedient to what the Lord asked me to do to share his great love. The compassion and sense of urgency that I do this with has increased as a result of the trial and the miracle. And I am hopeful that others might believe and their faith grows deeper as a result of the miracle of healing that the Lord has done for me and my family.
I pray that God would be glorified by the miracle and that it will have an eternal impact to help others prepare for when Jesus comes back because we know he's coming. And I don't want it to just be a temporary, you know, I got healed from breast cancer for this one season, right? Like, but I want it to be more of an eternal impact on people's life and where they get to spend eternity. But like towards the end of this battle, I had another kind of less known miracle of a pulmonary embolism. And that was, that was kind of recent, um, like at the end of 2020, in December of 2020. Um, and I share it because I believe there are a lot of miracles that we don't even know about on a regular basis in our own lives where we are saved from car accidents or injuries or sicknesses and other life kind of altering events. It doesn't even have to be illnesses, right? And so in my heart, I know that we are all miracles. And I really hope that our church family knows that each one of you is a miracle. And I, I think sometimes we need to, to just look for them. And, and sometimes we might not always ever get the opportunity to see them. And I also believe that if we're still living and breathing today on this earth, that the Lord has something for us to do, some work that he still has planned for us. It's my hope that we keep our eyes focused on him in the middle of trials, because that's, I think, the only way I could get through what I had gone through, but also keeping our eyes focused on him when we're not in a trial to see what is it he wants us to do today. Thank you, Jen, for your testimony and witness to God and his miracle in your life. I want to end with sharing the words of Jesus Christ. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I pose that question to you, seniors, as you take this step. I pose that question to the rest of us in every aspect of our lives. Where have you had an opportunity to bear your cross? Where have you had an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ and you were too ashamed? Too worried about what somebody's opinion might be of you or how they might look at you or judge you or hang out with you or include you. We live in a world full of opinions. In a world full of judgments. a world full of purpose and meaning. And I ask you and encourage you and pray for you that as you and I would stand before our Creator, before the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit upon our earthly death here, that we would hear the words, good job, good and faithful servant, and not the words, for I'm ashamed of you because you did not share. Every day is a moment for us to not be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the good news of Jesus Christ. Every day is the encouragement for us that Jesus Christ died for us, calls us to bear our cross, to pick it up, and daily die to self. It's hard. But the thing that the Lord promises us is that if today is hard, Guess what? I'm giving you another day. And that day is going to be hard too. Your meaning in your life should be 
and is caught up in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This life is not about you. It's not about me. It's about God inviting us to participate in His, his eternity, this side of heaven, to help others come to know Jesus' love for them. So I ask you, as we leave this morning, whatever season of life you're in, are you willing to pick up your cross, to acknowledge Jesus Christ's death, something that he wants us to participate in? Are you willing to stand unashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ? No matter what this world, no matter what a denomination, no matter what person, no matter what status they have, the most important status is that of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To stand before them unashamed. And as Jen just gave testimony, through the miracle that God has worked in her life, she prays for the hope and the peace and the love and the grace of Jesus Christ for all of us to know that there's a purpose and a plan here and that there's an eternal outcome for each of us. I pray that you would discern that this week. How God has moved and how God will move and how God might move for you in the future. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've died on a cross for us. We thank you that you call us into a purpose and a meaning and a reason for our lives that's greater than ourselves. We thank you for the gifts and talents and everything that you've blessed us with and how you've knit us together for us to participate and contribute to our community, culture, and our world, Lord. And we just pray right now a hedge of protection over each and every student and senior in this room that as they step forward to graduation Lord that you would be in their minds and their hearts to make smart decisions godly decisions Lord that you would be with them in their steps into college or the trades or into work wherever they're going Lord that you would bless them with your grace and love and presence that you would always press in upon their hearts that you love them that you've died for them and that you want nothing more than a relationship with them both now and forever and it is the same for us Lord in the different seasons of life may we never lose sight of your cross may we never become lazy in our faith disobedient ashamed fearful for Lord it is of your good work that you call us into to love you to love others and to make disciples we give all you praise and glory Father, Son and Holy Spirit Amen